like to introduce everybody to each other. So we're going to play just for a little bit. We want to give you guys just the time. You guys can go and say hi to people. I see some people over here. I see people walking in. So for those who are in the sanctuary, why don't you go around, introduce yourself to some people, say hi, meet some people. And then when you're done, come meet me up at this altar. Amen. to worship you today we come to sing songs to you we come to give you the highest praise we worship you God have your praise in this place come on people of God are you ready to worship the Lord with me today come on help me sing this song and I've got let me sing and I've got a river of living water a fountain that never will run dry. Let's give him worship in his place. Listen to no bit heaven. It's your releasing, and we will never be denied. Who is stirring up? Because we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're gonna jump in the river. Jump. Serving up deep, deep wells. Serving up deep, deep waters. We're gonna dance in the river. Dancing. Go deep cries. Deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to. We cry out and we cry out to you, Jesus. Deep cries. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. So when we cry out, we cry out to you. For help me sing, and I've got, and I've got a river. Let me hear you. Living water never will run dry. Cause it's an open, yes, it's an open heaven. It's your releasing, and we will never be. Sing, I've got a river, and I've got a river, living water, oh, a fountain, that never will run dry. Put us in open, Jesus in open heaven, joy releasing, and we will never be denied. Won't stir up in this place, cause we're serving up deep, deep well. Serving up deep, deep waters, we're gonna dance in the rain. Dance for you. Oh, serving up deep, deep wells. We're serving up deep, deep waters. We're gonna jump. Oh, we jump for you, Lord. Jump. Deep cries, deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to. We cry out. Cry out to you, Jesus. Deep cries, deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to you. We cry out, we cry out. 
Come on, just the drums and voices. Deep cries out. Let's sing it out today. Deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out to we cry out and we cry out to you, Jesus. Come on, give him praise. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. Deep cries out today. Clap your hands. Are y'all ready? Come help me out. If he goes to the left, and if he goes to the left, if he goes to the left, and he goes to the right, and he goes to the right, they're gonna jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 jump in the river. If he goes to the left, and he goes to the left, and if he goes to As you close your eyes and just lift up your hands right now. Come on. As a sign of surrender of what God is doing in this place. As a sign saying, God, I'm coming to worship you. Come on, lifting your hands up is a universal sign of surrender. And today we're saying, God, I surrender my life. I surrender my plans. I surrender my agenda. I surrender my comfort. God, to give you worship, to bring you praise. Come on, this next song is called Start a Fire. And that's exactly what we want from the Lord today. We want them to start a fire in our hearts so that this not just worship on a Sunday, but throughout the week where men and women of God set on fire from God. Amen. Come on, let's just worship him right now. I said we worship you, God. Come on. Sing this out. Start a fire.
Say thank you, God. Come on, I just feel there's a today, today in, in the first service. I'm just gonna go off of this. There was a prophetic word by saying in your worship is where you're gonna receive your joy, in your worship is where you're gonna go closer to God, in your worship where you break some things off of your life. And sometimes I think when we come into church, we come with this, well, I'm just, I'm just, I can't do it today, and I can barely lift my hands. 
And there's genuine hurt. There are genuine problems in people's lives. But come on. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And all these things are defeated in Jesus' name. Come on. I understand we go through some things, but can't we rejoice in the fact there is a Savior who is alive, who is in heaven, who sees all, who is above all, who is in control. It's that Savior, it's that King that I come to worship. Oh, it's that Savior I come and I ask to start a fire in me. Come on. doesn't matter if you've been saved for all your life. Come on. You've been going to church. You can quote the scriptures. Come, we're asking God to start a fire. Let's sing this out today. Come, start a fire. Start a fire in me. Come, we're asking. Let the flames, Let the flames of the Lord run free. May you burn away. Lift our voice and sing it out. Start a fire. Start a fire. Come on, if you want it, if you want it, it's here today. Let the
about Jesus Christ no one can convince you out of your happiness no one can convince you out of your joy oh come on is he that for you today is he that for you today are you still convinced people of God are you still convinced that he's all you need are you still convinced oh let that fire burn let it burn in me God Oh, I want to be a fire to this world. Oh, I want to be a fire to this world. Oh, I want to set this world on fire for you, Jesus. Oh, 
crazy but who are you crazy for we're crazy for jesus come on would you just speak in tongues let the gifts of the spirit flow
man speaking in heavenly languages. And we open up this service for gifts of prophecy, words of wisdom and knowledge. If anybody has a word, hallelujah, let God use your tongues and interpretation. receive that God is saying he's your life he's your everything come on he formed your heart and your lungs all that you call yourself physically he made it he wants it all for him the Bible says he's jealous when you use your passion your emotion your talents for the things of this world for a paycheck for love in this world when you don't use it for love for him for eternal rewards he wants your passion he said, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Come on, I receive that today. Any other words from the throne of heaven today? Jesus. for you today just receive it God is saying there are some things that you left you left in the lost and found you didn't go and claim them they're yours but God's waiting for you to come and claim it it's lost he found it and he says come and claim it come on your joy's been lost but God's got it he says come to my counter and claim it in Jesus name come on your victory's been lost but he's saying come to the counter I found it come and get it in Jesus name your blessing over your family it may be lost but Jesus found it oh just receive it today let's sing that again light the fire and as we do let's just receive these words in a fresh passion in our hearts today yes God come on man let's sing it like we're excited today Jesus today
you're hungry for God, can you give him a hand clap in the house of the Lord? Ushers, would you come with communion? This is our first service of the month. It's our habit, the first Sunday of every month. We take communion. Remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, would you right now just concentrate on your walk with the Lord? Would you meditate on Him right now? The Bible says in Psalms 139, Test me and know me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And if there is, lead me in the way of everlasting life. With every head bowed and eyes closed as an attitude of prayer right now, would you just say that simple prayer to the Lord? Lord, search me. Oh, see, God, if there's any wicked way in me, any perversion, any anger, unforgiveness, oh, God. Oh, God, and would you lead me in the way of everlasting life? Change my heart, oh, God. We don't take communion to be forgiven. We take it because we've been forgiven. So the, the, the wafer and juice won't do it, friends. It's confession to a holy God right now. So let's take time. We're not in a hurry. We confess our sins to Jesus. Oh, Lord, you know. You know the struggles in this house today. You know some that have been battling with sin, and maybe they've been losing that battle. But, Lord God, you said even if they fall seven times, you will forgive them. There is forgiveness today. Hallelujah. For others today, you may be sick in your body. It's not your fault. Your, your, your genes have been cursed from Adam, as the Bible says, and you're dealing with a sickness today. Jesus said he's your healer. Communion reminds us not only of forgiveness of sin, but of physical healing. Would you just lay your hand on whatever part of the body it is and just begin to confess with your mouth, I am healed. By the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am healed. I speak healing over this house today, healing from sicknesses and diseases. Oh, sickness is a curse from Adam. Jesus took the curse on the cross so that we might receive healing. Oh, there's healing today, my friends. Would you believe it right now? I want to hear a testimony by the end of this service that somebody says, Pastor, I know I'm healed because of the prayer during communion. Right now, in Jesus' name, sins are forgiven. Sicknesses are healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He said to, to take the grape juice in remembrance of him and the the blood that he shed upon a cross 2,000 years ago. And we ask the Lord to bless this today. Lord, would you remind us of what you went through on the cross, the blood that was shed for us so that our sins would be washed whiter than snow. All of our hearts had gone astray, hard and stained with sin. But on the cross, you carried our sins. Our wrath was upon you. And by your blood, we are forgiven. You said in 1 John 2, 1, John speaking, he said, I write these things that you do not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, the righteous Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of the world. We remember you as our propitiation, King James for substitute. 
I was supposed to be there on that cross. My blood was supposed to be shed, not only in a moment in time, but for eternity in hell, separated from you because of my own actions. But on that cross, you took my place. You were my substitute. And not only for me, but for the sins of the world. May we remember that today as we receive the grape juice reminding us of your blood. And Jesus, today as we receive the wafer that you said reminds us of your flesh that was torn upon your back like ribbons in the wind by being whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails, laying bare your organs, your muscles, and your tissues, and even your bone. You said, by your stripes we are healed. We hold today, God, the remembrance that that cross not only says we're washed clean and forgiven, but we're healed, wholly restored, made new again. Oh, God, both in this life, God, and in the life to come, both in this body and in the, in the resurrected body we will receive. God, I pray right now that when we receive this, we do it with grateful hearts, remembering what you did for us. Bless this time of communion, God. Communion, brothers and sisters, simply means fellowship. Bless this time of remembrance and fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. amen. The way we take communion at our church is the ushers will help you, and you can just come forward and then receive it and go back to your chair and take it with your family or by yourself. Amen. Would you come and do that? Hallelujah. Thank you. time, but as you've received it, would you stand and sing this with us today? Don't be in a hurry, but as you've received it, would you just stand and sing this with us? Hallelujah. He is so wonderful. I'm so lost in words. It's lost in love. Oh, come on. Sweetly broken. Holy surrender. 
today, a family of God, brothers and sisters from many backgrounds, many cultures and nations, many age groups, male and female, praise God, all together children of God. That's what the cross does. As you're holding hands right now, I'm just going to pray over us today that we would never forget the cross, that we would be cross-eyed in our jobs and on our uh, families, even throughout this holiday season, that as everybody's remembering the baby Jesus, we'll remind them of the crucified, buried, and resurrected Jesus. Lord, I pray you bless us today in this service we have together. We thank you that we could have fellowship, communion with you. We pray now you'll teach us your word, teach us your ways. Raise us up, God, to be disciples in these last days, oh God. May we always love you and love our neighbor as ourselves. God, teach us how to please you in every way. In Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Amen. Can you bless the Lord? Hand clap of praise. Woo! Amen. Would you stay standing? Don't sit down, but move around as we play this welcome video. Would you tell four or five people how awesome it is to see them today? Come on, give some high fives and hugs. Thank you. Welcome to Metro Praise.
Amen. You can make your way back to your seats. Awesome. Sweet. So good to see everybody here today. How y'all doing? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Is everybody here loving Jesus? Amen. You know what the good part about coming to church during the holiday season is everybody's starting to think about Jesus, but you've been talking about Jesus all year long. And you know, some people look at Christmas as a time to get presents, you know, presents ending with the NTS. But how many know we've been in God's presence, NCE? We've been in His presence all year long. Think about that. God's presence are cool. I thank God that He gives us gifts, but I would rather have God's presence. The Spirit of the Lord, wherever I go, in my home, in my family. And so I'm so glad you guys are here today where the presence of God is here. Does anybody feel the presence of God? Amen. We're so glad that you're here every Sunday at 9 and 11. This is our time to meet together as a family. Wednesdays at 7 is our midweek service for prayer and encountering God. It's where we do Royal Rangers and Impact. And this last Wednesday, we had a family fun night. Did anybody come to that here? Amen. Come on. We had our biggest attendance. It was packed out, exciting times. And then elevate. Amen. Elevators are taking off this winter season. Tell us what's going on for the month of December with this adult elevator right there. Amen. Thank you, Ish, for that elevate. Amen. Oh. This coming month, the 30th, we are planning a, a concert, you know, for the youth. We're trying to invite some bands to come on up, multiple bands. So that's happening the 30th at the end of the month. And then the 18th, we are having a life group party, for a joint life group party. So we want our youth to all come out, bring your friends. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, another awesome thing we got going on this week, uh, excuse me, this month, is caroling. Everybody go, ah. Thank you. This is going to be so much fun. Okay, don't complicate it. Don't be a weirdie. This is all you got to do is just show up, okay? Now, this is what I mean by being a weirdie. Some people are like, I can't sing. I can't just relax. Just come out and have fun, okay? It's not like we're going to say, you know, sing, you know, Silent Night in the, in the key of F sharp minor by yourself in tenor, okay? And no, you know, hear so-and-so. No, just come out, lip sync, smile, see everybody's smiling. It's going to be so much fun. And don't you think during the time of Christmas, Christians should act like Christ? How about we act like Christ and do something in this community other than just complain all the time? Amen? This is a time for us to show up on somebody's doorstep and be like, hey, we love you. We're nice people. So I want you guys to come. I want the whole church to be here packed out Saturday the 17th at 5 o'clock. We'll have hot chocolate. We'll head out to the streets, and you're going to have fun. How many are just ready to do this? Come on. It's going to be a good time. And then let's make some noise for the winter retreat. Somebody go, woo, woo. Come on, this is going to be awesome right here. This is where we get excited. Fire in the winter to make the ice melt. It is going to be so hot in the Holy Ghost. You don't want to miss this. Brother Glenn Boom Boom Badonski is going to be there. Everybody say, Boom Boom Badonski. Amen. Boom Boom Badonski is going to be there. And if you don't know why he's called the Boom Boom, you just need to show up. Because Jesus is going to show off and just do great things. All we're asking you to do is just get off Friday and Saturday. Very simple. We'll meet here in the morning. We'll give you the details as we get closer, probably around 6, 7. We'll drive out about an hour and a half to Lake Geneva. There's a church out there with all of the fixings, everything we need, a gymnasium, a humongous place for the children, a pool tables, ping pong tables for the uh, for the teenagers, cafe. Just It's a big church. They let us go there for free. Everybody say free. Amen. We'll have our services there. Then Friday night, everybody say, after party. 
amen, at the after party, we're going to go to the hotel. And then that's where we spend the night. They have the pools, indoor pools, hot tubs, jacuzzis, amen. It's just a good time to hang out. So Friday, we drive up there. We have the services in the church. Friday night, we spend the day, a night in the hotel. And then the next day, Saturday, we have a couple services, and we come home. You're going to be home by 6, 7 o'clock Saturday evening. And then Brother Glenn is going to preach to us that Sunday night where we're going to have a healing and revival service old school bring everybody that you know bring the the homeless one-eyed willie limping by the road bring him amen because we're going to see some miracles in the place amen how many want to see one-eyed willie get saved amen i love those homeless guys but i want to see him get saved amen and that's what we're going to do so it's for you it's fifty dollars but if you can't afford it it's f-r-e-e free come on somebody say free Amen, free. What we're just paying with the $50, hotel and food. You know it costs money. If you can't afford it for any reason, you come be our guest. Merry Christmas, okay? Don't stay at home because you don't have shekels. That's actually not a good thing to do. We want you to come because it's that powerful. And if you have any friends, any any people that are just maybe on the edge of getting closer to God, bring them to this because they will leave out lambasted in God's presence, just lathered up like some barbecue chicken in the glory of God. How many want to see somebody get lathered in the presence of God? Amen. Just get all lambasted. Just pull out, you know, just the whole thing and pour it on. But anyways, we're also, for all the newbies, we're going to do baptism there. So if y'all need to get dunked in the liquid grave and get baptized, we're going to be doing it there. Can I just hear everybody say amen? Amen. Thank you very much. And, you know, in the midst of uh, the holiday season, all that we're doing, we want to encourage you to stay focused on what God has asked us to do as a church. Our church vision, the focus of this church, is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Can everybody say love? love? Amen. It's all about love. And the way that my wife and I felt this was God's way to do it was to develop a strategy. Because if we just came here every week and said, love, 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 love your neighbor, love somebody. It's like, how do we do that? How do we love God? So we sat down, we turned off the lights, we lit, we lit a little candle, and then I talked like this, and I came up with a strategy. Everybody say strategy to overcome the world. Okay, and that's how I talked, and I wrote the little books. So we, we came up with a strategy. Wow, how, how can we help people do this? And so the first thing we came up with was connect. Everybody say connect. Thank you. Like plugging into a light socket, plugging people into Jesus. And the best way that we felt that we could do that was through life groups. Does anybody get life at life groups? Amen. Thank you. Life groups, seven times for adults meeting throughout the week, three for youth. All you do is you pick one. So you come on Sunday church. You're connecting with us here. But here's where you get plugged in. You get to meet some of the leadership. You get to meet other brothers and sisters. Very casual. Be yourself. Just come as you are. And we felt that this would be a great way. And then while you're there, you can ask one of those leaders. You can say, hey, Ish, hey, Robin, hey, Ricky, Rachel, would you take me through a book of discipleship? And this is what we call the one one book excuse me and what it does is develop the good ground for your life to grow and we believe that as you're growing in that spirituality you can give a whole lot to God and change the world how many believe you can change the world amen I really do you know if you look at it today consumers control our economy and we control the the, the economic status up and down of what goes on in America let me give you an example if we all stayed home Black Friday would there have been any money being spent at the malls? 
So we controlled the economy, didn't we? It was in the American people's hand. Nobody forced you. Nobody packed and prodded at you. Nobody made you stay out at bus, Best Buy at 2 in the morning. Some of y'all were putting that up on your Facebook. I don't know if you're in this service, but you're all crazy, okay? Anyways, but nobody made you go out and do that. But how about this? If a culture can be filled with consumerism, spend about a couple, you know, billion, 10, 20, 30 billion on a day, what can we do for God? And we call this mentorship. And that's when you have gone through the first phase. You've gone through that book. And you say, Pastor, I want to learn how to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And what it is is a life of prayer and dedication. And sometimes people say, well, I'm not ready. Let me tell you, if you say you're not ready, that's the very sure uh, a reason to know you are ready. So you say, I'm not ready, Pastor. Okay, we're going to sign you up right now. Okay, because that means you are ready. Because we're looking for people who say, God, I just want to grow up in you and learn more about you. And then everybody say, send. Thank you. See, we believe if we continue to do what God told us to do, connecting people to the cross through life groups and discipleship, mentoring them up and training them, we can send them out to change the world. I was meeting with um, some of our Chinese believers last night at our house for dinner that are in the first service, and she said, Pastor, one of the things that drew us here, she was a part of the underground church in China, has been arrested three times in her, in her country for serving the Lord. She said, Pastor, uh, I came to America, and I felt like my fire died down five years, I haven't been able to find a church where my fire can grow. It just feels like I go to church, sing a couple songs and I go home. She says, but I come here and it feels like somebody's throwing gasoline on me and my fire's burning again. I'm so excited about that, friends. And I hope you catch on fire. Jesus wants to send you out to change the world, whether it's helping at the Adopt-A-Block on Saturdays, helping the youth ministry, coming on Wednesday with your friends, showing up caroling. When you've connected and been mentored, you can be sent out to change the world. We believe we do this. We can see 100,000 disciples in this city, 50 churches, 500 around the world. If you believe it, somebody say, let's do it. Come on, somebody. And here's the exciting part. One of the ways that we have to do it is through our finances. And so I made a covenant with you guys a while back that the first of every month we would go over the details. And so let's learn about what we did this month. In tithes and offerings, we brought in $13,436.83. Mission, $707.24. And building fund, $917.40 for a total of $15,061.41. Can we bless the Lord? Come on. You know you would be happier than that if that was in your bank account. Come on. Some of you are just like, oh, come on, let's get excited. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here's the good part. We spent it. Amen. Uh, general fund, we spent $13,415.87. Missions, $370. Now I'll share with you about that in just a minute. And then building fund, $917.40 for a total of $14,703.27. How many are glad we paid some bills? Can you put your hands together? Amen. And here's the real exciting part. Some of you already are there with me. We came into black this month by $358.20. Come on, yay God. He used us. He used you. We did it. So the exciting thing is we did great. Thank you, church. We have uh, come out of the red. We were in the red last month by about 2000 We hit the black uh, this month. Tremendous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And one of the reasons why you can see is we cut down that budget a whole lot. And we, we, we went to dry skin and bones, which is good, so that we can hit that black number. And one of the things I want to encourage you with is that now we would be consistent because we don't want to go back and say, well, now it's paid. Because when we first started doing this, we would see the black months would be great, and then the next month would be red, 
and then it would be black again, then red, because it seems like when it's black, we all just, okay, I'm going to take this month off, and then that's why it goes red the next month. So what we want to do is just stay in the black, amen? Red is not a, fa a good color when it comes to finances. Now, here is the goal, that we would have 18000 from tithes and offerings. We have seen months like that here. That is a high month because that's when everybody's doing their part. And we want to encourage everybody to do their part. And we've handed to you our sheets that talk about how to be a financial partner with us if you'd like to look at it. And so our church teaches everybody to be a tither. Now, if you haven't learned that yet and you're new, uh, stick around, and I believe you'll see it the way we do. If you don't, that's okay. We still love you. But we've taught on it here. We've studied it. And if you have questions, we can answer it. But we do believe in being tithers. With 10% with of our total income, we do that. That's our goal of 18000 then we've asked that we would give offering above our tithe because we as Christians see that 10% as God's command, and that is the standard. But he also said to give offerings out of your heart, your generosity. And so at this time, we've asked, could you join with us $25 a month for missions and $50 a month for building? And so that means my wife and I give an additional 50 a month for missions and 100 for building. Why? Because we need to support the missions and the building. Let me just share about the missions real quick. We brought in $700 for mission, spent about $370. What that $370 does is turn on the Internet and the lights of their offices that they op occupy out of. It's not able to give them the books. So we have to save up money in chunks and send it to them. When we are under $1,250 a month, we are not able to send them the books that we need. So right now, Nigeria is waiting for us to send them 1,000 books. For some of you who don't know, we have 200 churches in four different uh, nations and five locations. That's because we have two in India that use our books, okay? And we support them. So right now, because we're under the mission budget, we're not able to send the books to Nigeria. So how do we meet the mission budget? is everybody gives $25 a month. If you give $25 a month, you're meeting that mission budget. We have on our envelopes a place for missions. You simply circle there, and we appreciate that. If you like to give with your card online, don't do it to get in debt, you know, spending you know, the money there to get in debt. But if you want to use your card, we do it online at the church, and you can hit missions as well. The next thing, building fund, is during the Christmas season of, of uh, this year, April 2011, we bought a lot of new things. And if you look right back at the camera in the back, everybody look at the camera back there, please, and Ellie's going to wave to you and maybe wink. He's married, ladies, that's okay, but he's just going to wink and give us that, that good look back there. We bought this with credit from Wolf Cameras for about $3,000. Well, it was nine-month deferred credit, uh, de deferred interest. You guys know how that is. Well, right now, if we don't pay it off, we're going to include the interest, which right now is about $500. So not only will we owe the $2,000 that we're paying off, but we will owe an additional $500. Is everybody tracking with me? So we have until January to pay it off interest-free. That is only $2,111, which is still under our goal for the building fund, because if 50 people give $50 to building fund every month, we get $2,500. Are you all tracking with me? If we hit that goal this month, we pay this off. If we don't pay it off, we're going to accrue $500. Now, let me just ask you a question. I'm not going to manipulate you, and I'm not going to make you feel bad. Just a little bit, okay? Christmas time. Whose birthday is it? Okay, Jesus' birthday. Why do our kids and family members get the best gifts? It's his birthday. Okay, so I'm looking at some young people right here. It's Jesus' birthday. So you shouldn't be like, I want an iPhone. I want a... You should be like, I want Jesus to have a camera. 
I want Jesus to have a camera. Now, before you think pastor's manipulating you and, and Jesus is going to need a fur coat tomorrow, and then Jesus, Jesus is going to need a, a BMW. Before you think Jesus need all that, just, just check me out. Just listen to me here. Whose church is this? Okay, so it's not my church. So if I die, this church keeps going, right? So we have leadership. You're actually going to learn about this today, but we have a leadership that plans out things. You can see we're not hanging gold from the ceilings, you know, plating our water fountains and gold here, et cetera, marble on the floor. We're just doing what, what God's told us to do. That camera, let me tell you what this camera allows us to do. Every one of our services, including this one, is broadcast live on the webcast, internet, for free. Every one of them is then recorded and put into a sermon player for free that everybody can listen to, and then highlights are put on Facebook. That's just the beginning. Then we use it for special projects. We use it for our, our as you can see, the videos for promotionals and different things. This is used for the Lord. It's not like when the camera's facing on me, I read my autobiography, okay? It's not like uh, we're up here, you know, and you're uh, Julio Iglesias, you know, singing, I can be your hero, baby, you know? We're doing this for the Lord. It's already been bought. We've already asked you to make the building plunge fled, pledge, but now we're actually attaching to it an item that now you can see. If 50 of us do this above our tithe and offering, that gets paid for. Can you say amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Thank you for listening to our report. Um, some of the things that are going on in our churches right now is uh, Pastor Madhav of Kathmandu, Nepal, reported two weeks ago there was a bombing in his city of a church. So I would ask that you would continue to pray for Nepal. Uh, there's 15 of our churches out there. Also, I get weekly, but even more this week, three of the pastors couldn't make it because they were either sick or a relative was sick. I would ask that as you remember our churches in prayer, as you pray for the top, top thing is God allow them to preach the gospel. Number two, God protect them from persecution. And then number three, when you're praying for their needs to be met, will you also pray for health? Because many of them are malnourished. Many of them live in places with subpar conditions, and sickness becomes a big deal to them. You catch a flu, it can become a devastating effect because you can't get the antibiotics. You'll be sick for weeks, sometimes months, etc. And then it gets very contagious. Just something to pray about as well. We believe in this church of a 10% tithe, as we were sharing before, going to the Lord and offering. I'm just going to ask you to continue to be faithful for this month. And at the end of this month, it's the end of the year, you get to hear the entire report. All your giving records in detail will be given to you. And then we'll set a vision for 2012. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Father, I just ask you today to be with us. Lord, first we pray for others. You said give us, plural, our daily bread. So I pray for others' daily bread first. God, I pray that you'll be with our churches across the world and overseas, in India, Nepal, Pakistan, and Nigeria. And Lord, all these other churches that I hear about in Egypt, in China, in persecuted lands, oh God, would you provide for them and be with them. And God, we also ask you at this time to be with our nation and our government. $1.2 trillion, God, is an unimaginable amount of money, but our Congress has to be able to cut that budget so that we can move forward. Lord, we pray for wisdom, not politics, not part, uh, you know, bipartisan, just working together, God. We pray for something even bigger than Republican and Democrats, God. We pray for your kingdom to come and wisdom to come to these men. Uh, and Lord, we just also ask now for you to be with us. 
We pray for ourselves, God, for our jobs, our families, our economy. They say that right now this Black Friday may be an indication of the economy going up and all of our jobs may return back to a status of normal and we may start seeing some increase for, for the first time in a long time and unemployment going down. But Lord, we just ask you that you'll keep it in our hearts not to forget you, Jesus. That Lord, we won't let greed take over our lives. That as you bless us, we'll use it for the good things you give us to do, our families and our churches, and that, Lord, we would have a heart of generosity. I'm reminded of the story of, of the founder of, uh, of Hobby Lobby, and he said, God called me to provide jobs for people, but more than that, to provide an opportunity for them to learn about Jesus. If, if the CEO of Hobby Lobby could say, I use my business for the Lord, and our country was established upon God, how much more so us in our everyday jobs. Lord, use us to change this world for your glory. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's say this scripture as a confession of faith on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Would you come rejoicing as you give, please? Thank you. for serving us this morning so well. Thank you, guys. As you can see, this is Lauren on the keyboards here. She's stepping up. Amen. She did good today. Hey, just want to remind you guys that we have these uh, promos. If you want to help uh, spread the word for us during Christmas time, uh, they're in the back. They have little stickers. You can put them on doors or windows. We'd love for you to do that. Tells all about the church. And then also we're starting a new sermon series for the month of December called God's Great Gifts. And today we're going to talk about leadership and what God blessed the church with. Next week we're going to talk about gifts in the church. Uh, December 18th, Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then December 25th, we're going to combine both services for one Christmas service at 10 a.m. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay, so listen, Christmas is a Sunday. Okay, everybody look up at me. Sunday. Okay, so guess who birthday party we should be at Sunday? Jesus' birthday party was right here. Okay, Jesus' birthday party is not going to be under your Christmas tree with two people. Everybody go, wah, wah. Okay, that's not the big part. The party's right here. Now, the cool thing is, if you guys really love lost people, don't want to see people go to hell, this is what you do on Christmas. Okay, you say, do you guys want to get a big gift? They're going to be, yeah. Do you want a big, 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 huge gift? Okay, well, let's all get in the minivan and then bring them to church and go, ta-da. Because that's the name of the sermon, God's greatest gift. Who is God's greatest gift? Jesus. Are you lying if you tell them they're going to get a great big gift? 
Come on, so just tell them, say, guys, you know, it's Christmas time. We've opened up the presents. We got up early. The kids woke us up at 3.30 in the morning, and we've been up all day drinking coffee. Okay, listen, come to church. Bring them. Bring your family. I would like to see this whole place packed out. For your sake and your family's sake, we're going to keep it short, just to an hour, sing a couple good Christmas songs, something to inspire hearts to open to Jesus. Then I'm going to preach a very simple message on God's greatest gift. I really believe lost loved ones will come to Jesus at this service. Amen. So please come out. Remember, it's going to be one time only, 10 a.m. If you show up at 11, it's already going to be over, okay? And then maybe that's your greatest gift. Oh, church is over. Great, I go home. No, but no, some of you would cry, right? Some of you would be like, no, we miss church. Okay, so come at 10 a.m. Everybody say 10 a.m. Okay, thank you. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Talking today about gifts of leadership. Gifts of leadership. I hope that you are encouraged by the end time series, that you've learned things about Jesus, how he's coming back, the signs of the times. Let's not forget those things, but remembering those things, let's move on now to what we're supposed to do in the church. And this is going to be a great time to take notes. You can write these scriptures down and go home and study. And I pray that you will see that leadership is a gift to you. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given. Can everybody say grace has been given? Thank you. So let's look at this right here. It's going to go quick for you, so you've got to pay attention. Paul is speaking. He's writing to the people of Ephesus. That's the name of the city. And the first thing he says in this passage is, to us, grace has been given. Now, who is the us he's referring to in the prior verses? The us is him and his companions. Somebody say leadership. Thank you. So Paul is a leader. He's leading the church of Ephesus. He had actually started it. And now he's going to start teaching them something. But before he does, he wants to let them know everything I do is by God's grace. So everything leaders will ever do in your life in this church are by God's grace. Gifts of leadership are a good thing. Aren't you glad you came to church today and there's leaders and we're just not staring at a blank wall with the hands up here? Aren't you glad there's a leader? Aren't you glad there's a worship leader? How about a leader back there with your children? Amen. And they're not just babysitters, by the way. They actually teach your children things about God. So I hope you enjoy that. But any person that leads in God's church, Paul teaches us, it's because grace has been given to us as Christ apportioned it, as he portioned it out. Verse 8, that is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay, Paul brings up the thing about Jesus descending and ascending. But it says that he does both for our benefit. Now, I'll share with you very simply what it means here. When Jesus was crucified, what did he do? This is what Paul's talking about. What did the soul and spirit of Jesus do? We know we're more than bodies, right? So when you die, you go right to heaven. But what did Jesus do? The first thing he did is he descended into the place called hell. He took the authority from the devil. He stomped on him like a serpent, as the Bible says, and he took his authority. Then he went to heaven. As he was going to heaven, he brought all of the Old Testament 
covenant believers, Moses, Abraham, with him to heaven. Until that time, the believers had to be in a place called paradise. They had not yet been reborn. The blood had not been applied to heaven. So they were waiting for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They then went to the presence of the Lord where they are now. So if we die, we go right to heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. Thank you. But here is the part that I want you to see in verse 8. When he led captives in his train. So when he captured up his people and took them with him like a conquering king. These are his people. Moses, Abraham, Isaac, all of them to heaven. He then gave gifts to men. The gifts that Jesus gave the church is what we're going to talk about this month. What did Jesus give the church? You're going to learn about gifts of leadership. In this passage, he gives fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, I'm going to go over that today. You're then going to learn next week that he gave gifts to the body of Christ, to you. So I thank God for the leadership and the gifts that they have, and I thank God for the, uh, the gifts that you have. Is everybody tracking with me? And then in Acts chapter 1a, he said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will bring you power. And then in 1 Corinthians 9, we learned the uh, 12, we learned the nine gifts of the Spirit. So you're going to learn about the gift that God gave of leadership, the gifts that he gives you to help in the church, and the spiritual gifts we all have. Can somebody say amen? Okay, thank you. Now let's keep reading the passage. Ephesians 4.11, it was he who gave. Somebody say, who gave? Thank you. It was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. This is what we're going to talk about today, the five-fold ministry. Now, before you go to sleep today, I want you to pay attention. Why is this important? Because wherever you go in a church, you need to make sure this is there. When these people are there, that makes it a good church. Now, if you're a part of a good church and these people are there, you need to receive the gift that they have because they have gifts to give you. An apostle has something to give you. A prophet has something to give you. And if you say, I don't need them, you will be the one-man football team getting sacked every time you play. Okay, God didn't call you to be the one-man Christian. Is everybody listening to me? Has anybody ever seen a one-man team win the Super Bowl yet? Okay, it takes a team, so they have gifts to give you. Now let's keep going. What are they going to do? Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The first thing we see that they are going to give you is a job. Oh, come on, somebody got quiet. It said to prepare God's people for works of service. You might say, Pastor, I don't want that gift. They can keep it. But how many know right now a job is a valuable thing in this economy? I remember growing up and, you know, parents and my friends' parents would complain. They don't like the factory job. They don't like this. How many know somebody's begging for a factory job right now? You know, there's people out there begging for jobs. You know, I remember growing up in the time of prosperity, the 80s and the 90s. You all were there, many of you. You know, some people would complain, I don't like this job. You don't hear that so much anymore, do you? You know, you might go to the dollar store. Even that person, they start to complain. They'll say, really? I got somebody with a master's degree waiting right behind you to get this thing. 8% unemployment. Come on, somebody. Now, when we come to church, some of you may just be like, well, I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything. And if you just leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. I'll put a little something in the bucket, too, just to have you leave me alone. 
You know, we may think that way. But you know what? If you're on fire for God, you're going to be like that little puppy. Put me in the game, coach. Put me in the game, coach. Come on, pastor. Give me something to do. Give me something to do. I want to do something. See, if you love Jesus, you'll want the gifts of service that they want to give you to do. They want to help you serve God. They want to help you grow in your ministry so that you can have heavenly rewards. The Bible says don't work for earthly treasures where moth and rust can destroy them, but work for heavenly treasures. Let's keep going. It says to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, some of you may not care how many people are here on a Sunday or how the body of Christ is built, but let me tell you who does care about who is here on a Sunday. Jesus does. And I love my dad, over 30 years in the business field, worked in the financial area of business, helped manage funds for people, multi-million dollar people, to new starting couples. He was a financial planner. You know what he would teach? He would say, you care about God's business, and he'll care about your business. You don't care about God's business, God won't care about your business. And so often we say, God, uh, help me pay my bills. God, help me raise my family. Uh, God, help me do better in life. And God is saying, what are you doing for my kingdom? Matthew 6, Jesus' words, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, things are jobs, clothes, money, houses, food, and all these things will be added unto you. So God is looking for kingdom-minded people. Are you with me? So the gift of these men, these four, uh, these four gifts, is to build up, the, uh, to prepare people for service and to build up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature. Can somebody say mature? Thank you. Obtaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. You see, if you receive the gifts of these men, you will not be blown back and forth by everything you hear somebody tell you in the name of God. Some of you might call up one night hunter Cleo psychic hotlines. You may ha have done that before. Why? Because you weren't grounded in the Word of God. Some might have bought some holy water before because you weren't grounded in holy God uh, in, in the things of God. Some of you might have called on Saint Anthony to help you find your lost keys and pray to saints because you weren't grounded in the things of God. What happens when Christians are not grounded in the things of God? They believe whatever comes from this pulpit or any other pulpit. And the Bible says you shouldn't do that. You should know how to grow up and stop being a baby. Stop being tossed to and forth. Instead, look at verse 15, speaking the truth in love. You have to know the truth to speak it, amen? We will in all things, somebody say all things. Now say grow up. Thank you. Into him who is the head, that is Christ. For from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, and each part does it work, does its work. Can we say that part together? Each part, one, two, three. Each part does its work. There's that four-letter word. There's that work word. Somebody say work. Come on, somebody say work it, girl. Just want to wake you up this morning. Somebody say, work it, pastor. You know, we're saying work it, girl, in a good way. Okay, so work it like preach it, girl. That's what I meant. Now, check this out. This is the illustration Jesus gives us. The body of Christ is another word for the church. The most title that Paul gives this place we meet here today, the title he gives it the most is called the church. 
They're called the body of Christ. What we call the church, he calls the body of Christ. Now, why does he do this? Because he's drawing out an illustration. Jesus is the head. So you're looking at my body. I know there's not much to look at, but just hold on now. Here's the head. This is Jesus where the mind, the, the control comes from. But all of the other ligaments, the toes, the ears, the, the hands, the, the kneecaps, the, the ligaments in our body, the parts that I can't name in church and be appropriate, all of those things, the Bible says, are there working together for the head. Now, think of it this way. Why is it important that we fill these chairs up and that people become a part of the church? Because if my hand stayed home today, I wouldn't be effective at being a good body. Are you listening to me? So when you don't come to church and fulfill your part, when you don't receive the gifts that these five-fold ministry people are giving you, you're letting the church walk down the road like one-eyed Willie the limping man. Are you listening to me? This is how the church, can we, put up, can we put up a fight for the devil right now? Can Metro Praise fight the devil if we're missing a foot and an arm and an ear and we're all blind and messed up? Can we put up a good fight? Are we a healthy body of Christ? But the Bible says from him, the whole body. Somebody say the whole body. Thank you. Joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. How does it grow and build itself up? As each part does its work. So why is it important that we know the leadership of the church so that we can know our place in the church, which we're going to talk more about next week, so that we can grow the body of Christ? Because who cares about your body? Your head cares about your body right now. You have, how many of you ever just stubbed a little toe and you felt it all over your body? You cared about it. And who is the head of the church? Jesus is the head. And he certainly doesn't like it when hands and legs and kneecaps aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Can somebody say, Amen. Amen. Look at the summary. Number one, Jesus gives gifts to the church when he ascends to heaven. Number two, the fivefold leadership gifts Jesus gave are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Everybody tracking with me? And then number three, the fivefold leadership gifts were given for these two reasons to prepare God's people for works of service and to build the body of Christ. If you understand that, can you say amen? Amen. Thank you. Now let's look at the fivefold ministry, these people that we just talked about. And here's a great illustration to learn it by. Okay? The first one is apostles, and we can look at apostles like the thumb on the hand. Now apostles are the ones who start the churches. The first 12 disciples were also known as 12 what? Apostles minus Judas, they had 11. Then Matthias was voted in, and then Paul comes around later. So by the time the book of Acts is done, there's at least 13 apostles. And what are they doing? They're saying thumbs up to the things of God and thumbs down to the devil. And you begin to see what does the apostle do? He says thumbs up to things. Thumbs up, let's start a disciple program. Discipleship program. Thumbs up. Let's have church on Sunday. Thumbs down. We're not going to allow those that are in same-sex relationships to be ministers in our church. Uh, thumbs down. If, if people are in adulterous affairs, they will not be in leadership. We're going to have a standard of holiness. And they begin to say thumbs up to the things of God and thumbs down. Is everybody with me? Think of that as the apostle. The pointer finger think of as the prophet. The prophet is the one speaking on behalf of God, pointing out the things that we all need to do. 
Now, when you saw somebody up here prophesying, prophesying is part of what the prophet does. But as you'll learn in the weeks to come, all of us can prophesy, but it doesn't mean all of us are prophets. Prophets will prophesy, but they'll also have specific words from heaven to guide the church. And they'll say, you need to do this, and you need to do this. And if they say that to the apostle, he goes... Okay, but if they do it the right way, then he goes, okay. So the prophet has to listen then to the apostles. Everybody with me? Okay. Now, number three is the evangelist. Think of your middle finger is the most extending finger you have. And so the evangelist reaches out to touch the world. He evangelizes by preaching the good news. Evangelist comes from the Greek word evangelion, which means good news. So he is spreading the good news. He sticks out further than the rest of the fingers. Now when you think of the fourth one, the pastor, everybody say the pastor. Thank you. In our culture, the pastor is that finger of covenant, that fourth finger where married people put their rings. And so the pastor is the one married to the church, caring and nurturing for a church as a husband would a wife. And then this one may be a little corny, but I think you guys might like it. The pinky is the teacher because the teacher can go into those hard-to-reach areas of your life and help get the junk out so you can hear and be more obedient to Christ. So the fivefold ministry as an illustration, think of the apostle, thumbs up, thumbs down, prophet speaking out directions, the things of God, the evangelist reaching out into the world, the pastor being married to the church, and the teacher going into those hard-to-reach areas of your life, teaching you how to obey Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, when we're talking about the five ministries in the church, what we also need to talk about is the offices. Can somebody say offices? Now look at 1 Timothy. We'll read it in the King James and verses 1 and 10, and I'll show you why in just a moment. Paul is writing again now to his spiritual son, Timothy, who was pastoring the church of Ephesus, okay? So we were just reading about the Ephesians, but who is the pastor, the main person over that church? That is Timothy. Now here he's writing to him, and he says, This is a true saying, if a man desires the office of a bishop, or another word is elder, he desires a good work. Verse 10, and let these also be proved, and then let them use the office of a deacon. Can everybody say deacon? Thank you. Being found blameless. Now, if you could just look up at me for a moment, please, as uh, Ellie puts up here, 1 Timothy 3, I want everybody to get this. So when God calls people to be in these five ministries, they have to then fulfill an office to be able to do it. Let me give you an example. You may be good at flying planes, but you better have the office of a pilot and be getting tested and certified before you fly a 747, okay? We could all take your word for it, but we're not going to. We want to see you get tested and approved. Somebody can come to this church and say, I'm an evangelist, I'm an apostle. It means nothing unless they've been tested and approved. And do you know what we call that testing and approving in the church? Somebody say ordination. You see, it is a... Bible word, ordained. Another way is appointed. So we say God gives the gifting as anointing. He anoints, and then he uses his church to appoint. Now take it as the example of the fivefold ministry. Now I'll use myself personally. So I was called into ministry while delivering pizzas to a nursing home. I'm reaching out my hand to an invalid woman. The nurse's aide says, don't touch her. She'll bite you. I say, I don't care. I touch her. I say, Jesus loves you. I go back to my car. Jesus then speaks to me, and he says, Joe, I want you to spend your life reaching out to hurting people. 
And no matter what others say, you tell them I love them. That was my call into ministry. But I didn't know which one of those five ministries I was going to be. Was I going to be an apostle who starts churches? Was I going to be a prophet, giving direction, an evangelist, going out and winning just the lost? Was I going to be a pastor, just overseeing one congregation? Or was I going to be a teacher working in a Bible college or as a teacher writing books? So one day I was at a conference, Vineyard Winds of Worship Conference, and they said, if you feel the call to start churches, would you come up here? Because they had talked about it the whole day, about how our nation is losing churches every year. Pastors are quitting, and the population is going up, and unreached people groups like Egyptians and like Chinese people are coming to go to college here, and, and we need more churches to reach the world. And I felt the Lord say, that's for you. So I go up there and I receive the call. And God says to me, you're going to plant churches. Look around. And I saw an altar full of people. He said, you won't see some of them until you go to heaven. Some will lay down their lives. But you will plant churches and you'll see the reward when you get to heaven. I was called to be an apostle. Everybody say an apostle. But did you want to join my church that day when I was 18 years old? No, certainly not. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you would have joined that church, we would have blowed each other up. Because I had no idea what to do as an apostle. But I was called. It was a gift. Because when Christ ascended to heaven, he gave gifts on this earth. And they all come from the person of the Holy Spirit. So now I'm called to be an apostle, a church planner, to give thumbs up and thumbs down. How have we been doing, folks? Got two in Chicago and two around the world. Can we say? Amen. We're planting some churches, giving a whole lot of thumbs up and thumbs down. So then God says, go to Bible college. And what do I do in the Bible college setting? Because it works this way in America. In other countries where they don't have colleges, they do intense training. I was with the Chinese believer, and I was saying, how do you do it in China where it's illegal to have Bible college? They said for two years, they wake up at 4.30 and pray for hours and study and just to just give their whole life to the Lord. Okay? So they're in Bible college this is now what your pastor had to fulfill. He had to fulfill the office requirements of an elder or a deacon to do my role as an apostle because that way you would trust me and know who I am. Because if I just say, I'm an apostle, trust me, how would you know to test me according to the Bible? There is nothing in the Bible that says, test your apostle and see if he does X, Y, and Z. Test your evangelist and see if he's good by doing X, Y, and Z. No, but here is where the testing comes. Look at First uh, Timothy chapter uh, 3 verse 1 here is a trustworthy saying if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer he desires a noble task now and it's the same word for elder or bishop they're all the same now the overseer must be above reproach that means nobody can say i see continual faults in their life the husband of but one wife they can't be polygamous temperate and self-controlled are giving the same understanding they can't be addicted and they can't have an addictive personality or an out-of-control personality respectable they must treat people with respect hospitable bring people to their homes able to teach that's going to come in handy uh, not given to drunkenness don't want a drunkard as your pastor as your leader not violent but gentle so we shouldn't be beating you up how many are glad you didn't get beat up this morning amen we should get a star next to our name for that uh, praise the Lord. I'm just teasing. But it says not to do that. Not quarrelsome. So he shouldn't love to fight and start arguments. It says not a lover of money. How many are glad that elders don't, aren't, aren't supposed to love money? Okay, those of you who are not raising your hands, do you want us to love money? Is that what I'm getting from this? Let's try this. How many are glad elders aren't supposed to love money? You might be saying some aren't doing a good job, but they're not supposed to. Verse 4, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. So at this point, it gets very personal. So when you look to me, if I'm going to be an elder that uses my gift, you need to make sure my family's in order. 
You see, if my family, as it says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? See, it gets very personal here. He must not be a recent convert, so I can't be newly saved. He may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that they will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Because how many know Jim Jones had a lot of people who loved him on the inside drinking the Kool-Aid? That's my man, Jim Jones. But everybody on the outside saying he's cuckoo, he's crazy. So we just can't everybody in Metro praise just be like, Pastor Joe's so awesome. But then my landlord says Joe's not paying his bills. Other people say he's cussing me out. Another person says I see him at the clubs. Is everybody with me here? Now, deacons, likewise, see, everything that we just said about elders now applies to deacons. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They have to believe it and teach it. They must first be tested. Everybody say tested. Do you see where that comes in now? Tested. And if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Has anybody ever been to a church where some gossip was there? You see, the church is supposed to keep their people in check, and it starts with the husbands and their wives. I know guys can gossip, but I'm telling you, most of the time, it's the wives of the leaders because they know all that's going on, and then they talk to everybody else about it and call it a prayer request. Oh, I just want to tell you about Sister Sally and what my husband told me about him. And I just want you to tell you so you can pray. Come on, that's called gossip, not malicious talking. Now the deacon must be the husband of one wife, manage his children and household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Can everybody say elders and deacons? Thank you. Will you put up the, the image now, please, for me? Why is this important? Because you are a part of a church today that needs to be grounded upon elders and deacons. And this is the best way to look at it. Elders and deacons are the offices on which your leaders need to apply for and need to be ordained to do such. And then in those places, in that office, they can begin to use their gifts. Now let me give you another illustration. They work side by side. Some people have said, what's the difference between an elder and a deacon? Well, the word dekanos, deacon in the Greek, simply means to serve. The deacons are the servants to the elders. Elder, the word says it all. It means a more experienced leader. That's what elder means, overseer, the same thing. Now, what we are here to do in the church is to make sure there are elders and deacons. Would you put up the website uh, for me, uh, Ellie, and I'll let you meet them right now. I'll introduce you to them. When you go to our church website, you can go to Irving Park or to the Wicker Park campus. But here they are. Now, let me just take away some things that you guys can understand. Our culture has called every leader in the church a pastor. That is nowhere in the Bible. Now, this is not a conspiracy. It's not that they're bad people. We love them. God bless them. Let them have a good service today in Jesus' name. But this idea that every leader in the church is called your pastor is not biblical. You'll never see it in the Bible, and you'll never see it in church history. First of all, you never see titles before somebody's name, where it says, Apostle Paul, Pastor Peter. You'll never see the title before their name. What you'll see is Paul, comma, the Apostle of Christ. Do you understand? They never had titles. Jesus said, you could call me Jesus, and guess what? You can call me Joe. Amen? If I could call him Jesus, you can call me Joe. And the good thing is, is that when you give a title, you're respecting Lord Jesus, Señor Jesus. That's okay. 
When Jesus walked around, they called him Jesus. When Paul walked around, read your Bible, they called him Paul. Nobody put a title before his name. The Bible warns against this so that leaders don't become haughty and begin to think that they're somebody else, that, you know, that they're above everybody else. The second thing is the Bible said never call another man father. That's why we don't call the priest father. Priest, Old Testament term, never appears in the New Testament for the leadership. We're all just called priests in the sense we pray and serve God now. So priest is never a biblical term in the New Testament for leadership, and we're forbidden to call people father. So two X's against the Catholic Church on that one. Now back to the Protestant Church and everybody calling everybody pastor. Now, I don't know what happened if the pastors got together and had a committee and said, hey, we're tired of all the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers taking over, so we're going to take over when they're not looking. Ba-bum-ba-ba, we're the pastors. We're all pastors. Y'all got to leave. I don't know what happened, but when you go to a typical American church, who do you call the leadership? What is all the leadership called? Pastor, children's pastor, youth pastor, senior pastor, adult pastor, senior citizens pastor, redheaded stepchild pastor, missions pastor. Dear God, I need help keeping up with all the pastors. Pastors, hospitality pastor, and you've got to say it with a lift, pastor. Okay, so then they all become pastors. Now, what is the problem? The third thing is, is that what they did is they said, our gifts don't define us, it's our office. And they built the church on elders and deacons. So for the sake of our church, who lives in this world where nobody understands what we're talking about, when we call ourselves elders, they're like, okay, that's great, but who's the pastor? Uh, that's me because I'm an elder, but I do the work of a pastor. No, but really, who's the real pastor? You know, I was just at like a funeral yesterday, and I walked in, and they go, where's the pastor? And I'm like, here I am. They go, you're the pastor? Like, I go through this all the time just calling myself the pastor. I'm like, yes. I'm sorry I didn't come here wearing my long white robe with gold frills and a Pope hat, but I'll be the best you have today. I, I pray that I won't let you down too much, that I won't mumble and forget my words, but here I am to die. Okay. But in the Bible times, there were normal men. Who's Paul? There he is. What does Paul do? Paul is an elder in the church. What is his gift? And he's an apostle. Why? Because he's starting churches. Who's Agabus? There's Agabus. What does he do? He's one of the elders or deacons. We don't know for sure, but he's a prophet. He uses his gift. Who's Philip? He's a deacon. What does he do? He's an evangelist. You see this throughout the Bible, and here they are. Now, let me just show you something real cool here. We may be cool or we're crazy, but we actually put our phone numbers and emails there. Hey, don't have me go to other churches right now. They ain't giving you no phone number and email. They're giving you the office number Tuesday through Friday, 8 to 4 p.m. And anything other than that, talk to you later. But, hi, somebody loves you here. Amen? So just scroll down. Then you got the governing elders. We're just giving them different adjectives before elders. Keep going. They're all having different ministry responsibilities. Here are the deacons. They all do different ministries. Then we give them a hand clap for serving the Lord. Amen? Almost 30 of them right now. Now, if you go back to the, uh, the PowerPoint, I'm going to show it to you very simply, and then we'll go to the application so you can benefit from the leadership of Metro Praise. When we have the, um, the elders and deacons working together, look at Peter. Peter was an apostle, wasn't he? Wasn't Peter an apostle? That was his gift, was to plant churches. But as they knew, these original 12, minus Judas, the 11, as they knew they were leaving earth, they themselves were going to die, they had to put people in charge because not everybody could walk with Jesus. Not everybody was going to know Jesus. So look at how Peter leaves the church. He's over in charge. Verse 1 of chapter 5, To thee among you I appeal as a fellow elder. 
So now he begins to say, hey, we are some pretty cool guys. We're apostles. We're going to plant some churches. We've got some good gifts. But now to leave the church in the people's hands, we've got to leave the church to the elders. And it says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and who will also share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care serving as overseers. And do you know that the word shepherd actually means pastor? Pastor means shepherd. Now let me just tie it together so you can see why this happened. What happened was the elders were doing the work of shepherding because there's no way you can have the office of an elder without shepherding and caring for the body of Christ. And because that gift became so active, they then neglected the other four, and over time they began to be known as pastors. The Roman Catholic Church came along and said, that's not good enough. We want to start a priesthood celibacy around 6th, 7th century, make the Pope the main bishop, elder seer of all the churches, and then the Orthodox Church split off, and that's why you have the Orthodox churches and the Catholic churches having a high view of church and these a cler uh, clergy statuses, but the underground church has always been made up of elders and deacons who operate in their gifts. Are you all tracking with me? And so that's what the church looks like. Your church today has elders and deacons. You can hold us accountable to the characteristics of 1 Timothy chapter 3. You can look at our lives and see if we are that way. By our own bylaws, it says if we break those, we step down. We have strict rules for our leaders. So I want you to take this just for a moment and think about this. You make a mistake in the church, a little slap on the hand. Maybe we talk to your wife, family together, kids, we talk to your parents. I mess up, I lose the job. You understand? I look at pornography, I have to step down out of this ministry. I, I touch a woman the wrong way. I touch a boy the wrong way. Are you understanding? Well, if anybody touches a boy the wrong way, they should face the death penalty. But I'm just saying, like, some of you, you look at pornography, it's just, oh, well, Pastor, I ask the Lord, forgive me. No, I look at it, I lose my job. So look at the standard that we're held to, and then we use our gifts. Now, here is the explanation of each five of these so you can learn them today, and it's also discussed in our discipleship book. Apostles are elders and deacons that are sent out to start new churches. Paul is an example of an apostle in Romans 1.1. Paul, an apostle. So he's an elder in the church that is starting other churches. Who's an example of that here today? My wife and I. Who are some of our SUM students in Bible college being raised up? Chris and Vanessa are right now taking over the Wicker Park campus as apostles, giving thumbs up and thumbs down. Number two, prophets, elders and deacons that speak on behalf of God. Agabus is an example of a prophet in Acts 11, 27 through 28. Who would have the gift of, of, of being a prophet here? Lauren, Vanessa, my wife, some of the ladies. And we're looking for some men prophets, but there are some key young ladies in this church that when they hear from God in leadership meetings, it gives a direction, and we take that serious, and we weigh it by the word of God. Number three, evangelists are elders and deacons that go out of the church and win souls. Philip is an example of an evangelist in Acts 21.8. Jared, who leads our Saturday evangelism, is an example of an evangelist in this ministry. Now, pastors are elders and deacons that shepherd people in local churches. Peter is an example of a pastor and shepherd in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. Now, let me give you an example of this where this becomes a little confusing by the old way of thinking, but the right way of thinking makes it better. 
if you're going to pay me the honor of being a pastor because I shepherd you one day a week, shouldn't you give the honor to the elder who shepherds you at life group another day of the week and comes to your family events? So you should also call Pastor Ish, Pastor Ish, if you're going to call me Pastor Joe or Pastor Ricky. But then when you go out to the evangelism ministry, you're going to be calling him uh, Jared Evangelist Jared. And then when you come to the teaching ministry, you're going to be calling uh, you know, Sue Ellen the teacher of the children. She's going to be teacher Sue Ellen. And then you're going to be calling Apostle Chris and Vanessa. And then you're going to meet Joe, me, and you're going to say the Apostle, Prophet, Pastor, Evangelist, Joe. So then why don't we just stop calling each other all by the titles. Let's just call each other by each other's name and recognize our offices and the gifts we're doing. Who is Joe? He's an elder here. What is the gifts he's doing in our church? Well, he's planted the church. He's an apostle to us. He's touching all of the four other ministries. Forgot to show you that, but the thumb can touch all of the ministries. Oh, who's Adam that works with our youth? Well, Adam's an elder in our church. Well, what does he do? He pastors them. He also teaches them. He takes them out evangelizing. So he's doing a lot of good stuff. So the easiest way to look at it is these gifts, gifts that God has given. Remember, he ascended to heaven. He gave gifts to men are here through the elders and deacons. Now teachers are elders and deacons that instruct in doctrine and Christian living. Barnabas is a biblical example of a teacher, Acts 13.1. Now I want you just to hear this in closing today because I know for some of you, you might see the, not, not see the application here. But ask yourself looking up at this board, what gifts do they have to give you? Okay, let's start with the apostle. How many are glad that I had the gift of the apostle for a church here in Chicago this morning? Is anybody happy to be at Metro Praise? Amen. I'm not asking for an anniversary gift of a new car, but if you do, I won't argue. I won't fight. Okay, size, size 11, 36 ways. But anyways, um, you know, but you're happy there's a church here. How about the prophets? How many are encouraged by the words that come forth and the spiritual things that we do in this church when we say God said? Let me give you an example of someone being led, in, and, and I'll say ish as I'm thinking through this, has the gift of a prophet because he took off the flag about four years ago of Mozambique, waved it around, and by us praying for the nations, within one year's time we were traveling to Mexico and India planting churches. So it was like when ish as a man had the gift of a prophet that we saw that. So I'm happy to be doing prophetical things here. How many are happy that there's evangelists here like Jared teaching you how to do evangelism? Amen. How many are glad that there's pastors here, which I would liken unto our small group leaders, including myself and our children's worker, that are caring for the flock today. Amen. And how many are glad there are teachers here today. Amen. And so this is now your Christmas gift. Merry Christmas. Here we are. We are your gifts. We are the gifts that Jesus Christ gave the church so that you could be built up. Would you flip the slide for me, please, as I look up another scripture, and I want you to hear this as we're turning here. Acts 14.22 says this, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord and whom they had put their trust. So if you would have been traveling with Paul as he was planting churches, what was Paul's modus operandi? To raise up elders in every church. Then what would the elders do? They would raise up the deacons. And what would these elders and deacons do together? Those five kinds of ministries. Come next week, and I'll talk about all the ministries God's given the church, you to do, if you're not a leader. But the good part is, is that in this church, we actually believe that every believer can be a leader. At the very minimum, everybody at one time in their life can be a deacon. Why? What is a deacon? They're a servant. 
And then what can a deacon do at the very minimum? They can evangelize and teach. So if the Bible says go out and make disciples of the whole world, if you go through our discipleship process, you can become a deacon that now will be trained to teach others. Your life will be validated by the people around you. We'll make sure that you're trustworthy, and then you can teach the Bible to your friends and family in a practical way. And that's why you see most of our graduates stay at the deacon place. But the Bible then says, if you set your heart on being an elder, an overseer, this would be the person leading the life group. Well, then you've desired a good thing. So in our church, deacons help with the life groups. They'll do the 101. They'll help the leader lead it. But they're not the one leading. The elder will generally lead the life group and be in charge. And then what we have as another rank is the pastoral elders, which are the main elders of our ministries, like Adam over youth, like Sue Ellen over the children, like uh, Jared over the evangelism. And then we have what is called the apostolic elders, those who are starting the churches. But if you look at it simply, it's elders and deacons. Can you say amen? Now, by the way, this is what we go over in all 200 of our churches. When you see me traveling, I am teaching them this vision. And so it's good that Metro Praise understands this. Now, going to the application. We're here as leaders gifted by God to prepare you for works of service and build you up. I think there's at least five things that we can help prepare you for. Number one, to study the Word of God. You see, if you want to learn the Word of God, the elders and deacons with those gifts can help you learn the Word of God. That should be precious to you. If you want to learn to pray with power, Pastor, I want to see answers to my prayer. I want to see my family members saved. I want to see blessings in my life. The leaders can help you pray. To serve the church, to actually know how to help out. I'm happy today that I just can't show up to the pilot's you know, little cafe and go, Hey, you guys need any help flying the plane? I would like to help out. I'm glad that if I did that today, the pilots would go, hey, buddy, you need to sit back there next to the, next to the, uh, the, the, the policeman that flies on these planes. You see, when somebody comes to the church and says, Pastor, I'd just like to help out, well, we want to make sure you know what you're doing first. Okay, we don't just let you help out any which way you want. You know, Macy's doesn't just say, hey, just come and help out. Come sell some high-end products here. The you know, the, the police don't say, hey, martial law, help out. Here's a gun. Help stop crime. In the church, it's the same way. If you want to help out, you need the ministers, which just means servants. Ministers mean servants to help you do it. Number four, to win the lost. How many want to see lost people saved? Do we actually believe in this church in a heaven and a hell? Uh, we, we've talked about that. So what can we help you do? We can help you win souls. I'm so glad that the church my parents went to, they prepared them for good works because my mother led me to the Lord at the kitchen table. See, my mother was trained by people like this, the fivefold ministry, in their offices, how to pray for their family, how to read and study their Bible, and then how to lead their children to Jesus. How important is that? And then how about being built up? We could think of being built up, you know, as the body is growing, as the fingers and the ligaments and the organs and all of this is growing with the head. Jesus, we all need to become mature. We need to grow up in our spirituality. Well, what better thing to do than to ask an elder or deacon to help you grow up? Let me give you an example. Somebody says, Pastor, I'm struggling with pornography. How about this? I have not looked at pornography since Thanksgiving break of 1996. Now, you know either I'm crazy and I'm lying to you, or this man has been touched by Jesus. Amen? Now, what pastor do you know is going to tell you when it's the last time they looked at pornography? The reason why I do that, because I want to set an example for you men 
to stop looking at pornography. Okay, you can talk to my wife, and those women that struggle with submitting to their husbands or, or, or doing things without gossip or malicious talk, you could talk to my wife and say, Nancy, how do you not gossip when people gossip about you? How do you mother your children, take care of your husband, and still smile and not be fake? Okay, you learn it from elders and deacons. And I thank God for elders and deacons that raised me up in Bible college. We called our teachers professors, but they were elders in the church of Jesus Christ. Number two, Christ-likeness. Think of it like this. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave you his righteousness. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The believer, the old things have passed away, all things have become new. They are a new creation. How many are saved today? Amen? Amen. But how many live perfectly saved every day? We don't do so well. I like to look at it like this. I was 16 years old. My parents gave me the key to the new car, but I didn't know how to drive it very well. You are saved. God lives on the inside of you. You may not know how to live it out very well. Elders and deacons help. How about sound doctrine? We hear people come to this church tell us all types of crazy things. We actually have people come to church that think they can actually talk to angels. We had a woman that was meditating with a new age yogi. We have all types of things come into this church. You would not even believe it. We have people still tell us, can I still pray to St. Anthony? Like I said, the saint of lost keys. Where do you think I got that from? We had to tell somebody, you need to stop praying to St. Anthony. Okay, number one, he can't hear you. He's lambasted in the glory of God right now, just laid out in the presence. And number two, you don't need to talk to Jesus' disciple, his buddy, his mother, or his brother. Just call on Jesus. Hallelujah. He's the only one that's all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-powerful. Number three, speaking the truth in love. How many have a potty mouth sometimes? How many don't say things the right way? Well, elders and deacons are there to help and last worship. Just to love God more. Would you all stand to your feet today, please? Can we give the Lord a hand clap today for what he's doing in the church? Amen. Band, would you come? This is how I want to leave you in closing. Thank you for your time. I want to leave you in closing with leadership always being a work in progress. Leaders are not born, leaders are made. I'm going to say that again. Leaders are not born, they were made. So when you walked in here for your first time, let's all think about this. When you walked into Metro Praise, there was somebody leading you in something. And somehow that touched your life. Maybe it started with the greeter leading you to the, the elevator. Here, this is the elevator. Do you know that deacons are down there? We just don't let anybody do that. Some of you might have been picked up in transportation. Aren't you glad we just don't let anybody do that? We're not having one of our drivers hit on a girl on the way over here. So you, got, you, you came to church. Deacon was shaking your hand. You didn't even know it, but they were already being trained to be a leader. When you dropped off your children's to a children's worker or to the youth group, you were taking it for granted, but there were leaders there. And then you came in, and then you heard worship leaders. And then you heard this leader, amen? Come on. And then when we close out in prayer, there's leaders that stand up here to pray. Do they have, like, extra spidey juice or, you know, some Superman cape we don't see? No, they're just people like you, a work in progress, but have been tested. And that's the way I want us to walk away from this today, is number one, praying for us as leaders, and then number two, letting us lead you. It's not easy leading somebody who doesn't want to be led. I see Ricky here as a Chicago police officer. Sometimes people resist arrest. 
And he says, you will be surprised, the smallest person, how long it takes just to get the two hands behind the back and cuff them. Even a woman, a female. Because when you're resisting, it is so hard to control you. I look at Bethany, sometimes she'll start shaking and doing something like that. It's hard for me just to control her. I need your prayer that we can help control the church and that people who are here will want to be submissive because if they don't want to live right, this thing will all fall apart and we'll be on the news next week for being a cult. Are you listening to me? Hello? I don't want one of our leaders being being put on trial for molesting our children or for lying and stealing money. So we need your prayers. Pray for us that we'll have strength. Pray for the people that they'll do what's right. And then number two, would you pray that we can build you up and send you out? Amen. Come next week as we talk about all the gifts that are going to be in your life. There are gifts right now that some of you don't even know they're there. You're a work in progress. We're going to show you how to dig out that gold. Does anybody like that show on, on the History Channel, the Gold Diggers show? What's that show called? I can't remember. The guys that are out there digging up gold. Oh, I love that show because they're fine. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. What's that? Gold Rush. Thank you, my brother. You saved me. It's getting so hot up here. Oh, I love this show. Let me just tell you about it as we leave out here today. The Gold Rush show is all about people finding gold. And that's what I find myself doing as a pastor, finding the treasures of people's lives and saying, look, you didn't even know this was here. You didn't even know you could be an awesome help to what God was doing. But it's in you. Help us bring it out. Help, help us help you. Amen. Altar workers, would you come? We're going to close out in prayer. Lord, thank you for leaders. I'm going to pray, Lord, now for our leaders. God, starting with my family and the others here, God, we need you so much. We need you to bless us, especially our SUM students. Some of them have children and jobs that they need to provide for themselves, and they're going to school for the one hope, the one desire that they can be leaders forever in the church of God. Lord, be with them. Encourage them. God, we ask you to be with our newly appointed deacons and these new life groups that have opened up. We just pray that you'll pour out your spirit on them. Give them grace. Give them a great big portion of grace today so that they can lead and be gifted. And Lord, now I pray for our people here today, the ones we're leading, precious, precious commodities, the highest value on this earth is a human soul. And God, you know them all by name. You know their families. God, you know where everyone today is going after they leave here. You know all the situations they're facing. God, help us to be good leaders to them. Help us, God, to be elders and deacons of integrity so that we can be a gift to them, not an annoying voice on Sunday they can't wait to leave and get away from, but, Lord, a gift a gift to their families so they can grow up and mature and God know you more than they ever have before. Lord, I guess all I'm asking you to do is build your church, build your body, help us here at Metro Praise. You know us and our needs. 
Before we close out, I'm going to pray. If you have any need today, that you would come to these altars and find someone to pray, either for your family or if you need salvation or you want to be encouraged, they're here to pray for you. God, I ask you to bless us as we get ready to leave. Those that need encouragement, who need some prayer time today, let them receive the gift of these leaders here. And bless us all this week. Help us not to forget you're the reason for the season. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Can you bless the Lord? Hallelujah. God bless you this week. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. If you need prayer, we're up here.